1: Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Yes, yes, welcome into Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan, and uh, let's get right after it, because I could do do 20 hours straight. Uh, First off, you may remember him from the Rams. I think he, the thing is with the Rams, there were some great interviews. I'm talking the St. Louis version. uh, Across the board. And Jackson, I can't go to you with your thoughts on it, but Kurt Warner was so good. Uh, Marshall Falk, when he was in the mood to talk, was so good. Randy Carrick and I were just talking about Isaac Bruce and how uh, he was so knowledgeable at the game, just like Falk was. Uh, Aeneas Williams, Ernie Conwell, Adam Timmerman, and our, again, I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but uh, Tyoka Jackson... Is, is just so good, so thoughtful, and he played for both the Buccaneers and the Rams, so he was tweeting out how he was torn on who he'd be cheering for. I'm anxious to talk it over with him. He's going to join us at 10.15. Plus, it was 22 years ago to the day yesterday for Ricky Prohl's catch, January 23rd, 2000. I was at that game, and when Prohl caught that ball, Jackson... I, was, I went to the game with my dad. We were texting about it yesterday uh, morning before the Rams and Buccaneers played. The shot of energy right. that that moment produced, I, I specifically recall I had to grab the chair that none of us were standing in, of course, to keep from falling over. Dead unreal. serious. That's it's, 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 it's my memory of it because I was on the opposite end of the building from where he caught it. But as you're watching it, the score of the game was six to five at the time. How often do you have that situation? Yeah, scoregami, Bizarro world. And you're thinking, after all of this, this offense, they are going to lose six to five. And then, uh, as Pat Summerall said, Warner touchdown, touchdown. And I can't find the call anywhere on YouTube. Really? The Mike Bush calls. I went. Yeah. I went to look for it. The Rams and Vikings, the first playoff games, up everywhere all in Madden, but the Buccaneers game, the Fox call, I can't find it. Maybe somebody can have it. I don't know. He texted in 65870, uh, 65780. Uh, So Tyuk is going to be with us at 1015. And I am anxious to hear what his thoughts are as somebody who played for both the Rams and Buccaneers on what transpired right at the end with the zero blitz, uh, because that was, that was shocking as I was, I haven't screamed at a television Watching a football game where I either didn't have an emotional attachment to one of the teams or money involved. I don't know when. I I don't know because I was in attendance for Missouri-Alabama in the SEC championship, and I was in attendance for Missouri-Auburn in the SEC championship. I don't know what game it would have been, but I was so emotionally involved in the Rams and Buccaneers yesterday. And I couldn't believe it. And I was so excited about what we were seeing. Where were you?
2: I mean, I was rooting so hard. And I remember right when they kind of got that, was it a pick or a fumble that kind of turned the tide? And I was like, okay, here they come. Here comes Brady. And then I was super, I mean, rooting for the Buccaneers. And I never thought I'd root for the Buccaneers or Tom Brady in my life. But boy, was I ever when they're playing Rams
0: I was uh, I was so captivated by it and to see it end the way that it did it was so yeah. disappointing and I, and I guess here, here's where I'm coming from on it the weekend of football was as good as it's ever been I don't know if it can get better I don't know how it can get better than what it was but you had some you had some you had some goats and I'm not talking about greatest of all times even though some greatest of all times may have been participating but you had some goats. Uh, it's At this point, it seems like it was six months ago, but Ryan Tannehill would fall into that category for the Titans. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I and I actually I, I was typing all of this out for today's show. I don't know if we'll get to it. But Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter really had some unforced errors that hurt his team. I went back and watched the Packers and 49ers yesterday before the Rams and Buccaneers because I feel like I have a grasp on what transpired between the Titans and the Bengals. But I was trying to figure out what went on with the Bengals, excuse me, the Packers and 49ers that caused that outcome. And it, it really comes down to the fourth quarter in which the Packers went into that quarter leading 7 to 3. And Aaron Rodgers made, in a, in a sequence of five passes, one of those passes he just had to throw out of bounds, and there was a penalty called on John Runyon, um, so it became irrelevant anyway. But So it wound up being three of four passing plays. He had some really oddly unforced errors. Um, on second and goal at the 10, with 12.52 left, he threw behind Aaron Jones, and then Jones only picks up two yards. And Troy Aikman on the broadcast commented, that if that ball is thrown correctly, Jones can likely make a move and have a big play, possibly for a touchdown, which at that point would have made it 14-3. to San Francisco wasn't going to rattle off 11 points over the final 12.5 minutes. No. Then it's second and eight at their own 23. Two plays, is two plays before the blocked punt that turned everything around and may have ended Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay. Dante Johnson of the 49ers is injured on the previous play, so now Josh Norman has to come in. And while Josh Norman at one time was shut down, that's not where he is anymore. So immediately he lines up with Devontae Adams. And Aikman goes, you're going to watch Rodgers. You know he's going to pick on Norman right away. Sure enough, he did. But he missed the throw. And the camera pans to Rodgers. And he's looking up in the air frustrated with himself that he missed the throw. There was a window there. And he threw it too low. And then second 11, now with a tie game after the block punt, Rodgers throws to Randall Cobb. And he's nearly picked off. And it would be the second-to-last pass Rodgers would throw at Lambeau Field, possibly ever, as a member of the Green Bay Packers. So that stood out to me. That stood out to me. In a surprising development, when I went back and watched the game, Aaron Rodgers played a role in the defeat. I'm not oh. saying that it was a choke or any of those, those takey terms. But it was when you go back, you go, wow, yeah, he threw behind Aaron Jones there. That was a really subpar throw, and he missed Devontae Adams, and he was mad at himself about that, and he nearly gave up a pick six to Randall Cobb. Then, of course, you have what took place with the Buccaneers and Rams. Why they were blitzing there is beyond me. Yep. But the middle linebacker wasn't in on the all-out blitz. Right. So he's just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. them. So it blew the whole thing up. There's no point in doing it if not everybody's yeah, participating in on. it.
2: Bring the house or don't do so it. So
0: now Antoine Winfield's one-on-one with Cooper Cup. And he just throws it up, and Cup goes and gets it, and there you go. That'll wrap it up. What an anticlimactic ending to that. And then I'm thinking there's no possible way that we can have anything that would be remotely as good as what we had in the first three games, and somehow it becomes potentially the greatest NFL game ever played, which sounds so hyperbolic. I hate to say it, but I really do think, similar to Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, there will be people talking 10 years from now about the Chiefs and the Bills right. in the divisional round in, on January twenty third, two 2022. And speaking of, hey, listen, I mean, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, what they did and what their their playmakers did in addition to the two quarterbacks, that's what made it historic. With that said, Sean McDermott, not squib-kicking it, is a, is a hideous error. So you had Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians with a coaching decision to go out in the zero blitz. I'm anxious to hear what Tyoka Jackson has to say about that in a matter of moments coming up on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Um, but then Sean McDermott, they just missed that. That's so huge. And I realize I'm not big into the results-oriented thinking because anybody can manage a game after the game has played out. Sports Talk Radio lends itself to guys who can't walk up and down stairs critiquing guys who can lift them and throw them across the parking lot. So i got to be careful with everything here. But in fairness, when you watch NFL games and there's 10, 20 seconds left and a team has just taken a lead and therefore they're kicking off, what do you see every time? The squib kick. Right, pooch. It's just the way that it is. And so for that not to happen, that sucks. That sucks because it's a real thing. And then naturally, and I was about to tweet it out, but I basically retired from Twitter outside of tweeting out GIFs, is I was thinking at the coin toss, this game is so good that if one of the teams, and at that point it was whoever would score a touchdown and, and then win it, Scores here without either Mahomes or Allen touching the ball. This is the game that will change the NFL's playoff overtime rules. And I do believe that's what's going to happen. Now, it's not going to fix things for the Rams and 49ers this Sunday. It's not going to fix things for the Chiefs and Bengals this Sunday. And it won't fix the Super Bowl. But I do not think you will see this current overtime rule survive past February thirteenth, two 2022. I think this game at Arrowhead Stadium will be the game that ends it. And I do think that it should. One can say, well, I mean, these are the rules during regular season, but in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the rules are a hell of a lot different with overtime than they are in a regular season when guys are skating in and firing penalty shots. Right. So it's got to change. That one legitimately has to change. I saw one suggestion for making teams go for two-point conversions. I'm not talking about the thing in college football after a couple of overtimes where guys just line up and go with two-point conversions. I think that's awful. I'm talking about you have to go for a two-point conversion and both teams get an offensive possession. And if both score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion, then at that moment, it's sudden death. Yeah. You can still make the case, though. Well, I mean, then that means whoever wins the coin toss has a substantial advantage. And I would understand that. Do you just play another quarter? Is that the way that you go? But there's nothing... I get the reason for not playing a full another quarter in, in, in the regular season. You're already at 17 games. Guys are hurt. Guys are beat up. I get it. But in the playoffs, for that to be the scenario, and it worked against the Chiefs two years ago, three years ago against Brady uh, and the Patriots. Patrick Mahomes didn't touch the football, and Brady won it in overtime. But then this isn't results-oriented. I've always thought that this was... Something that ideally there's a different scenario in overtime, and it and it should be. It certainly should be. So we have so much to talk to. We only have an hour. Uh, Tyoka Jackson. We're going to talk about a wide variety of things with him. He is always one of my favorite. I've had him on the podcast just to talk. He is so so good, so insightful. And in this case, it just so happens that it's 22 years. I wonder if what bothers him more, losing to the Rams in the NFC Championship or losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. My guess is the Patriots. And you go well. Of course, it was the Patriots. It was the Super Bowl, but I, I, I think he feels like they were cheated, and he feels strongly about it. He hasn't sure. he hasn't stopped talking about that. I'm curious, but now he's he was probably cheering last year at least for the guy he uh, tried to sack in 2002 in New Orleans. So Tyoka Jackson's going to join us. We're going to talk about it all coming up on the other side of the break. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Welcome back, Tim McKernan, with you here on 101 ESPN. It is our pleasure to welcome to the radio show on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Lines, one of my favorite all-time interviews anywhere, anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, the former Rams defensive lineman Tyoka Jackson. Listen to this crowd, Tyoka.
3: One. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I am wonderful.
0: It's great to talk it over with you. I am curious what emotionally, even though you might have been on the fence going into yesterday, I saw you going back and forth on Twitter asking, what should I do? What should I do? Since you played for the Buccaneers, <laughs> you played for the Rams. Emotionally, where were you as you were watching that game? Because deep down, you knew you were pulling for a team. You had to have.
3: Well, no, really, I, I wasn't. I was good either way, man. Very rarely do I get an opportunity to just watch and not have some sort of emotional attachment. I mean, I'm, I'm either watching you know, a Penn State game or I'm watching the Bucks, or I'm watching the Rams or the Lions or Miami, and I've got some sort of feeling. So I like to take the opportunity when I can just chill and watch good football. My only concern was that it was going to be a dud of a game. Maybe one team will blow out the other one, and, and obviously that didn't happen. So I literally... Was just enjoying it and, and riding the wave. Now the people around me, depending on which suite I was in at the moment, they were going through an most emotional, emotional roller coaster. I had, I had Rams teammates. I had Isaac Bruce uh, one side, and, and, and uh, Orlando Pace here. And I had uh, Torrey and his family were there. And then I go to another suite and there's Warren Sapp, and you know, and, and a whole bunch of Tampa Bay guys. And so, you know, that was that was the only deal for me. But really, truthfully, I was in the middle. I wore pink. And I watched an, an incredible game and enjoyed every
0: minute of it. It was uh, absolutely, absolutely incredible. And yet the whole weekend somehow culminated with the best game at all, of all at night. And I didn't think it was possible after that comeback uh, that that Brady and the Tampa offense, with the help of the Rams offense, led. I, I'm curious as a defensive player who still is calling games on ESPN uh, and, and uh, college football, so still locked yeah. into the game, what you thought... Of what the Buccaneers did defensively on those two pass plays, did that catch you off guard as you as you watched it?
3: It it did, especially the touchdown. I I did not like the call. You know, going cover one, putting your safety, who is a a terrific young player um, whose dad played in the league, putting him against you know arguably the best receiver in the league, certainly the best receiver on the field in Cub. I just that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I understand it they were struggling to get a rush. And this is, you know, as much as the innovation of the game is taking the offenses further and further out in the stratosphere, there's nothing going to change about how important a defensive line is to a team and how important a pass rush is with four guys. And Tampa was not able to generate a four-man pass rush consistently, not the way the Rams were. And, and, And I knew going in that the Rams were built to beat a team like Tampa, and beat a quarterback like Brady because they could rush four, and you could do whatever you wanted with the secondary. You could you could change it up from two to two-man to three to quarters, whatever you wanted, but you had the versatility to do that because you can rush four. And, you know, the Bucks struggled to do that last uh, yesterday, and I knew that was going to be a problem if they did struggle. And so I think what you saw was a, was a coordinator trying to figure out how not to let a guy sit back and pick his team apart and go down the field and he took a chance he rolled the dice and he crapped out
0: yeah and the middle linebacker wasn't uh wasn't on the same page unfortunately strategically as we heard from Bruce Arians yeah. in the uh in the post game at least I say unfortunately as somebody who is hate watching the Rams the things have changed quite a <laughs> bit since you were <laughs> since you were last here with where St. Louis is with the Rams as you <laughs> as you might imagine I, I,
3: I can imagine. Yes, I. So I've heard. It's, 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 there's some anger. Yeah, yes, and I understand justifiably so. bro. Yes,
0: I, yes. Uh, that, Just, that, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to go any way away uh, anytime soon. Are you able to? Uh, speaking of anger, are you able to? I guess you are. Watch Tom Brady now. Even though you were going up against him, it'll be 20 years ago uh, here in about nine days uh, in New Orleans in Super Bowl 36, and view him differently than you did maybe five or 10 years ago because he is quarterbacking uh, one of the teams that you played for in, in the organ- one of the organizations you love.
3: It's hard, Tim. It's hard, and it's got easier obviously over the last uh, few months, you know, to a year. It's gotten easier, but it, it, it was really hard to do that to root for him. A guy who I've always had tremendous amount of respect for, but I hate it. I ain't gonna lie to you. I hated the guy. And I hate the Patriots and I hate Belichick and I respect the heck out of what they've all accomplished. But um you know, I at some point you've gotta sort of kinda of move on and him putting on um, you know, our, our pewter uh, and, and our red and, and that helped, right? And so, you know, he's a nice guy. And all of that, so it's made it a little bit easier. But you know, I will never forget it. I will never be over it. Um, you know, I just decided to move on and watch him play for a team that I love and and uh, help them win. So it's 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 really tough. It's called I guess they call it compartmentalizing, right? That is that
1: is. Yes, it is. I, I I need
3: to, you know, that's what a therapist would call it. Mean, I probably need therapy to help me with
0: it. So. <laughs> former Ram, former Buccaneer, Tyoka Jackson with us here on 101 ESPN. Uh, you said you were around uh, some of the greats from the Rams organization and some of the greats from the Buccaneers <laughs> organization yesterday, and you're watching Tom Brady play. All of, your, uh, all of you guys played in the same era as Brady, and yet here he is. Do you think that we saw his last game? Did you hear any rumblings around Tampa regarding uh, – Uh, His plans?
3: Well, I've heard that it may have been the last game in Tampa. Um, I I don't think it's his last game, though. I got a feeling, and I know nothing about anything. It's just my gut feeling uh, and what I know about his competitive nature and how high a level he's still playing. Um, I don't think it's his last game. I don't know why he would move on from the Bucks. I mean, he's got an unbelievable situation with a head coach and coordinator that he's very comfortable with. And when everyone's healthy, he's got a lot of weapons. Right. Down. You know, um, you know, obviously A B being gone really hurt them and, and you know the loss of Chris Godwin was, was tremendous. If you remember that offense oh, three, yeah. that three headed monster, right? And then you got, you know, really two good tight ends and one and a third one they just can't stay healthy, right? So you got really three good tight ends and you when they're all healthy, you got two good backs so Mm -hmm. when everyone's healthy now ab i think that that chapter is closed forever but you still got an incredible array of offensive talent around you he had a you know he had a a great offensive tackle and and works who did not play uh which i knew that was once i found out he wasn't going to play i knew that was going to be a big key and he had a a really good guard that was hurt and played hobbled and limping around so the point is you get through an offseason get healed up I don't know why, if you're going to play in the National Football League, why you wouldn't want to stay in that situation where everything is built for you to succeed and make another run. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, he takes tremendous care of himself. Uh, he and LeBron James are the, the, the greatest this late in their career that I've ever seen, and I would argue that any uh, professional athlete ever, to be playing at the level that they're playing at their ages with that many years and that many miles on the, on the tire uh, is just amazing. So I, I expect him. To 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 play more and and why would you ever leave Tampa when you can do it again?
0: Yeah, with that uh, that group of talent and you mentioned the offensive yeah. line, them being beat up was such a huge factor yesterday uh, oh, right, in, yeah. in what the Rams were able to do with uh, with their front four. Uh, the the end of the Chiefs and Bills game has people talking uh, for two reasons outside of the ridiculous play from Allen and Mahomes, and that is Sean McDermott not squibbing uh, with 13 seconds left and, of course, the overtime rules in the NFL. What is your opinion on both of those topics, Tyoka?
3: Well, I'll take the second one first. I hate the overtime rules. I, I do. I-, I think it's unfair. Uh, and it's a little silly When you, and from a common st- uh, sense standpoint. I just think either, A, you don't, you don't have any rules about other, uh, both teams getting the ball, or, B, you give them both one crack at it. Uh, and I understand with saying, well, hey, both teams are on the field when, when one offense has the ball, both teams are on the field. But I don't think it's fair to have, especially with the rules, the way they are now, it's set up against the defense to play. It's, I don't know how you play good defense anymore. I don't. I don't know how you, especially cornerback. I have no idea how you play defensive back in the National Football League. I have no idea how you tackle with any kind of physicality. I, I mean, you, you see when Dominic Su Sue gets a penalty for putting his finger in a guy's face. I, I have no idea how you play defense with emotion and physicality, right? So if you're going to have the rules be this skewed to the offense, then you have to give both offenses a touch of the ball regardless of what happened on the first possession. So that's, so that's one. Uh, what was the first question?
0: Uh, McDermott not squib kicking yeah. with 13 seconds left.
3: I understand I'm probably against, you know, a lot of the popular belief. I'm okay with the kickoff. I mean, if you squib that thing uh, and it's a miss hit, first of all, there is no guarantee that the squib is going to be perfect, right? That's one. Two, if he hits it in a way to, to a certain guy that can then get himself 10 or 15 yards, you're right now at least at the 40. And then you're going, well, why would the hell would you squib it right? against that offense? So I'm okay with kicking off. You're giving your team, your defense, a chance to play defense. Right? All he had, what was it, 13 seconds? 14
0: seconds? 13 seconds. 13
3: seconds. I mean, I mean seconds. come on, man. I mean, and, and we, everybody in the stadium knows they're throwing the football. We got to get a rush, and you got to put it on your defense. I'm completely okay with kicking that thing off. Yeah, it sounds good that, hey, if you kick it deep but not in the end zone, maybe you can tackle on the side of 20. Maybe it goes for a touchdown. You know, if you, hey, if you squib it, maybe, you know, it knocks around, hits somebody, they mess around with it, the clock runs. Look, you can squib the ball and take a knee. And you're at the 30-yard line maybe. And once you take that knee, they have to blow it dead once you give yourself up. So I'm okay with kicking it off. Go play defense. I think you just saw an unbelievable gunslinger who was hot anyway with rules that allow for this to happen. I get sick watching defensive play uh, nowadays because you, you can't tackle in practice. I understand why. Player safety and health. Uh, the tackling is as, is as bad as I've ever seen it uh, since I've been watching football. And it is really tough to play defense. And so I think that was more about this era of football than anything else in terms of bad coaching decision in terms of scoring a touchdown with 13 seconds.
0: Tyoka, would would it be cool to stick around? I'd like to, to keep you for one more segment. Is that all right? Man, you
3: always plead the block with me, man. You always pulling out the absolute most, doing the most, man. You know I love to talk to you on the second round. Man. Yes!
0: Yes! All right, look for the Venmo payment. It's on its way during the commercial break. Uh, Tyoka, you, know, you know, yesterday it was the 22nd anniversary of the Ricky Pearl catch.
3: Thank
0: you for bringing that up. Know that we <laughs> now you're not going to stick around. Nice. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about that Because in Tampa, <laughs> that game is viewed a lot differently, not just because of the way it ended, but it's, in St. Louis, it's viewed as the Ricky Prohl game. and Tampa, it's viewed as the Burt Emanuel game. That's exactly right. And I want I to get into that. It. And then also, uh, of course, uh, a couple of other topics with Tyoka Jackson, who I just love talking to and uh, talking football with is, is as good as it gets. Tyoka Jackson with us here on Balloon Party. You're listening to 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers on one Oh one ESPN.
0: You know, if Tyoka Jackson weren't so kind to sit through a break and stick around and do another segment, when I'm going to revisit what had to be one of the most painful moments of his career with Ricky Pearl's catch, I would spend the next nine hours of programming going through your sports center update. You're very lucky. Tyoka has chosen to i'm telling you
2: that was as bad as it gets oh Oh, i have a feeling
0: it's gonna get worse based on the first few weeks uh welcome back to balloon party 101 espn where jackson yet again froze in the middle of a sports center update uh thank you for sticking around
2: kind sir
3: Jackson, you hang in there, bro. You're on the My man.
2: Thank you, Tayoka. I appreciate bro, you. I,
3: come on. I feel for you, dog. I've worked with this guy. I know how McCray <laughs> can be, man. So just, just hang in there. You're, just keep keep affirming yourself. Just know that you're good at what you do and people like
2: you. My man. You're the man, Tayoka. Thank there you, you so go. much.
3: Like, like yeah. you know,
0: Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner, and Marshall Falk, they, they made everybody uh, around them better. I bring everybody down. That's that's the effect mm. I have on the people uh, who mm. I work with. All right. J- January twenty. Twenty third two thousand, you guys walk into the dome. I don't know what I, I, I would imagine. Tony Dungy uh, had you guys ready to go, and you and you don't go into a game. I don't care who you're playing, thinking you don't have a chance to win. But I know as a St. Louis, and I showed up to the building that day thinking that there was no way you were gonna hang with the Rams, and yet there it was, mm-hmm. six to five, six to five in the yeah. fourth fourth quarter when uh, Warner rainbows the sideline and it's caught by Ricky Prohl. Uh, take me back to that day. Take me back. What are your memories of, of that NFC Championship game when you were on the Buccaneers side of things?
3: Yeah, I... I... We felt very confident, especially defensively. You know, we had a young quarterback, if you remember. Sean King. Uh, Sean King, yeah. So, you know, we weren't sure exactly. And in those days, we we never were sure exactly what kind of offense we were going to bring to every game. But defensively, uh, we felt very confident. You know, just like boxing, where styles make fights, uh, it's the same for matchups as it relates to football. Um, And so we felt we matched up really well. Uh, against that offense, because of the way we play defense, we were cover two teams. which is a very conservative uh, defense that forces you to throw the ball underneath. It makes it really hard to hit uh, big plays down the field because you're going to have two safeties high, trying to take away the deep ball. Uh, and we had a lot of speed on defense, and we could rush the passer with four. And that's what I knew was going to be an issue yesterday yeah. uh, for for you know for the Rams against the Bucks in terms of the Rams defense versus the Bucks offense. Uh, the Rams defense is tailor-made to give problems to Brady and a team like that, a quarterback who's not going to run. Uh, Kurt was not going to run. Uh, we knew where he was going to be. Uh, the offensive line was good, but not great in our opinion, and we just felt our scheme and our rushers and the great players we had, uh, multiple Hall of Famers throughout that defense, who we now know are some of the greatest players to ever play, and Orrin Sapp and and uh, Derek Brooks, uh, and you know we had Rondé Barber, who, who will be in the Hall of Fame in my opinion, uh, and John Lynch, who's a Hall of Famer. We just and, and Hardy Nickerson, and just the names were on and on. So we felt good about that. Now uh, we didn't see six to five being the score, right? We we didn't know that he was going to be that way, but we knew they were going to have a tough time. That play though. Um, man, it, it just – I expected from my vantage point on the sidelines when the ball was caught, I expected to see the, the, the official wave his arms as incomplete because it was just – from where we were, it looked like it was just no way that ball was completed. Uh, but obviously it was. In fact, I remember the first time I was on in that dome as a player with the Rams, I think it was a fan fest or whatever we had, and I and I had uh, Ricky come over to me and begin to tease me. He's like, you remember this, don't you? And he went over to the corner. I'm like, were you in bounds? He said, yes, I was in bounds. <laughs> and he showed exactly where he was, both feet down. Uh, you know, and Brian Kelly had great coverage. Yeah, It was just a perfectly thrown ball, and, and this is, as a defensive guy, I have to always admit the truth, and that is a perfectly thrown ball Will always beat uh, the defense. When you have perfect execution offensively, there really isn't anything the defense can do, no matter what the rules are. And so that's what that was. That was a perfectly thrown ball to the 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 spot where obviously they had uh, practiced it so many times. And 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 my, if I'm not mistaken, that was Ricky Pro's only touchdown of the
0: season. That's correct. That's correct. And I mean,
3: it just like who'd have thought it? Like Ike or Torrey, Yeah, uh, maybe Oz. But I, you know, who knew that? Uh, that guy was going to make that catch in that moment. But Ricky Pro was such the consummate professional, always ready, um, really helped me just watching him prepare, really helped me. Uh, Even that late in my career, watching him prepare every day in practice as if he was the number one receiver uh, because he was a pro. And that's a lesson for everybody, even in life, no matter what you're going through. Um, If you just keep taking care of what you can control, and that's what Ricky did every day in practice, he practiced and prepared as if he was the number one receiver in every game. And he never was. But when he ever, whenever you called his number, he was always there for you. And that's the best you could ever say about any teammate.
0: And then, of course, St. Louis fans are like, okay, that's it. The Rams have won. But yet, Sean King... And that offense, that at that moment had just put up six points, moves down the field. And what I was saying before we took the the commercial break, where Jackson botched the Sports Center update, uh, <laughs> is, is in, in
1: Tampa.
0: Do I mean it's you know it's part of being a really quality teammate? <laughs> is, is that in, in Tampa and and really kind of around the, the NFL? For yep. some, it is known as the Burt Manual game, and I don't know if people in St. Louis are even aware of how it's viewed in Tampa, and that's because of a of what is considered a controversial call. Uh, right. t- take take me back to your perspective on that.
3: It, yeah. Well, so, I mean, if you, if you really look at it, I think by rule, the call on the field was probably the proper call given the rules that were in place at the time. At the time. It's just correct. It's just that he had his hands under the ball. And this came up, too, uh, I think last night a, a catch was made. Uh, in which a guy uh, had his hands under the ball and they were trying to figure out if the ball moved or not. And yeah, I think
0: it was that interception in the Tennessee game, actually.
3: There you go. That, okay, that's what it was. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it, his, Bert's hands were under the ball, and the tip of the ball touched the turf. There was no movement of the ball. There was no, you could just tell from the replay, the ball or, or the ground never assisted Burt in the catch. It just that, simultaneously after he caught it and was hitting the ground, the tip of the ball touched the ground. He continued to grasp the ball and control it. And now it seems silly that you would make that call incomplete. But at the time, if the ball ever touched the ground, it was incomplete. And so right after the season over, the, the, the competition committee got together and changed the rule immediately uh, to say, as long as you had control of the ball, and the ground did not assist you in making the, the catch, that it was a catch. And so had we made that catch, we had a lot of momentum we were driving. And I think that, if I'm not mistaken, it would either put us in the red zone or right around the red no. zone. And uh, and the defense the, the defense of the Rams was, was reeling at the time. And if you remember, and everyone knows in St. Louis, the defense wasn't the strong suit of that team. Right? They were good but we know that they were great on offense and they mm. were pretty good on defense. Uh, and they lived off of turnovers and, and, and a, an extremely explosive offense that basically cut out the half of the playbook of the, uh, of the other team by half because they were behind and they had to throw the football. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was the strong. Story. and it's, it's very similar, honestly, to what the chiefs are today. Uh, that chiefs defense to me will always allow a team to be in the game because they're not, they're not a great team. Uh, defensively, but they can rush. They have some guys. They can rush the passer, and so if their offense gets up and can really get ahead, they can win, and Rams aren't very much different. I think the defense is better with the Rams, but they're built to be front runners as well. If that offense can get up, you can forget about it, and I was calling the game even yesterday in the third quarter, and Isaac didn't want to hear it, and, and those guys didn't want to hear it. I was premature, but I'm like, well, this this Rams defense is built to play ahead rush the passer, and force you to mistakes and make picks. Now, obviously, I didn't see a fumble, a couple fumbles coming. I didn't see a missed field go. Yeah, so I didn't see that coming. But bottom line is, you know, that, that rule got changed right after that game. And with a lot of, you know, my inability to get a ring, it was always a little too late. They changed the rules after we lost. Uh, to New England uh, in terms of what pass interference was and and your ability to hold an offensive player coming through the line. If you remember, they were tackling Marshall as he tried to check through the line. And checkdowns was a big part of our offense. That's one of the reasons with cursing the Hall of Fame. A lot of quarterbacks don't have the discipline and the wherewithal under pressure to just check it down. Well, he had to do that because, one, he's smart. Mike coached him up that way but we had one of the greatest checkdown guys in the history of football. You check it down to Marshall, it might be a touchdown.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
3: you know, and so that was but they were and so New England knew that going in and assisted with their spy game takes. Uh, Obviously, they knew that the checkdown was a big part of what we did. Um, they would look, you know, Kurt would look to, to the one maybe one or two receivers and then come right back down to that checkdown as Marshall worked his way through the through the defensive line, he would just go and run a little choice route or even turn around. And, 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 you know, Kurt would dump it to him, and then, bam, he'd make one guy this, and it's a 15, 20-yard game. Well, they held him coming through that line so often in that Super Bowl, the rules got changed right after that Super Bowl. So, you know, look, man, it's, uh, as you can see, I'm not passionate at all about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, got to
0: ask you this one, and I only got one minute, and it, even though I've kept yeah. you for two segments, I could talk to you for three hours. Which one bothers you more? And maybe it's an obvious one. My theory is, and I'm talking about the NFC Championship loss to the Rams or the Rams loss to the Patriots, and you were on the receiving mm-hmm. end of both of those. My theory, I told Jackson, was you would say the Super Bowl, not because it was necessarily the Super Bowl, but because you felt like you were done wrong. So that is where oh, that's yeah. where I go.
3: It's not even close.
2: Okay. You
0: know, the,
3: the Rams made a play with Ricky Pro to win that game, and we couldn't make our play. Uh, the Super Bowl, they, they cheated. And while, again, I respect their ability to be consistently great over the long haul after they caught them um, and they stopped them from, from filming si- uh, sideline signals, which were illegal the whole time, I got to respect what they, what they accomplished. But in that particular game, they cheated. And, and, then, and then you throw on, it was the biggest game of my life, and you throw on the fact that I blew two blitzes, and I'll never forget that fact that I screwed up those two stunts. Um, You know, that game for me is going to be a continuous loop of nightmare. And so, you know, I just try to throw myself into this college stuff, man, and and be around the game and try to uh, enjoy it as much as I I possibly can. And I love the game. I love what it did for me, my family and I, but I'll never forget that day forever and ever
0: and ever. Tyoka, you can still hear him. He is on ESPN, ESPN Plus, Colin Maction, and FCF's playoffs. I always said this guy is a guy who uh, could be and should be in broadcasting when he was playing, and uh, true to form has absolutely done so. One of the best. Our audience always loves when you're on. Perfect timing today with the Rams and Buccaneers playing yesterday. Tyoka, thank you so much for the time. Always enjoy the conversation.
3: Tim, it's my pleasure, and, and also tell you, listeners, they can follow me on Ty Knows Football on all platforms, IG and Twitter, and I'll be in L.A. to watch the Rams win and go to the Super Bowl. This oh,
0: weekend. no. So, Wait, what happened right there? The interview is going so well. <laughs> this, this is a 49ers had, city now, man.
3: <laughs> I had to, bro. But you know what? I, res- I, I respect your grudge, because I, I keep my to- grudge.
0: Well. <laughs> we will have them forever. Thanks, Tyoka. Thank you, guys. All right, there nice he is, the great Tayoka Jackson with us here. We'll take a break. Come back with more Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Welcome back to Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Time for What'd Your Grandma Think? We, we enjoy naming things poorly right. here on this. Before we go to What Your Grandma Think, uh, which was the segment that Chris Kerber uh, was kind enough to produce for us. Uh, to explain that one, along with the name of Balloon Party, I need to, like, issue a statement every day. But <laughs> right. uh, what'd your grandma think is a question, I believe, Calvin May, who covered the Cardinals, asked Jason Hayward following a uh, home run uh, and uh, didn't necessarily get a great response. You'll hear that momentarily. Do you have that? Do you have that just up? Can you fire that? Yeah, right now. All right, let's hear it. So what'd your grandma
2: think?
0: I
3: don't know. I haven't told you. yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep. Listen, the names of the show and the segments are done to entertain us and only us. Right. And then your text with your anger helps fuel the fire. So, uh, yeah, what'd your grandma think? But before we go to what your grandma think... <laughs> 101's championship bash is going down next Sunday, i.e. this Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's and I had Helen Fitzgerald's this Saturday. Wingy, wingy. Join members of the 101 crew, Car Shield and Bud Light for the AFC NFC championship games. Enjoy tons of TVs to watch the games, food and drinks, music, a bunch of giveaways throughout the day, including a grill, jerseys, tickets and more. The bash kicks off at noon with a live pregame show leading up to kickoff at 2 p.m. Hope to see you next Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's for this year's championship bash, brought to you by Car Shield and Bud Light. Very good chance I will not be here tomorrow. My wife is scheduled to uh, give birth this evening.
2: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Action Jackson. But uh, there's a waiting list at the hospital for this whole process—the in- the inducement of uh, right. giving birth. So uh, it's it's a, it's a fluid situation. But BK and Ferrari will be in uh, for the days that I would be out. All right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, what'd your grandma think, Doc
2: Rivers? Doc, what what,
0: what part of this loss would you attribute to coaching?
2: I don't know. Um, would you ask Pop that question? No, you wouldn't. So don't ask me that question. I burned that. If this was this weekend?
1: You're not yeah. just pulling things from the no, archives?
2: this was Friday. This was Friday night. Clip show? Spur show? Yeah, yeah. He got 24-point loss. They asked if it was about coaching. Doc was not one too pleased.
0: You ask pop that question. <laughs> no, don't ask me that question. You can't win, man. I've been on the receiving end of those in those group sessions. It's not easy. It's a fair question. It's a fair question.
2: Right. It's just it, it's so it's such a tough line to walk. You never know. Oh, it's
0: brutal because the guy's not going to be happy anyway, and then he feels like he's on the defensive because there's a hundred people there. Yeah. Oh, it makes me tremble. But nonetheless, we'll play it every day as we wrap <laughs> up this show. BK and Ferrario up next. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.